Welcome to the David Wenzel Podcast. From working with Brad Pitt to Uber to Hamlet. Everything in between the lines. These are the stories of a blue-collar working actor. Buckle up, stay tuned, and enjoy the stories. I'm your host, David Wenzel. So too, David Wenzel, New York City, the journey begins. So, here we are, David Wenzel, episode two, the journey begins in New York. So last we left off, my sister had dropped me off at the hotel. I can't really go into words or finding the right words as to the feeling of what was going on in me. In 1994, on West 51st Street between 8th and 9th, in this hotel where you could rent a room by the week, shared bathroom, kind of run-down hotel. And I thought, I am the most blessed person on the face of the earth. I started to take a walk through Times Square, decided to do some shopping and get myself a little familiar with the city in general, uh, even though I hadn't had the courage yet to get on a subway. But I did a little shopping and I was in Times Square, like I said, and then I went down the 34th Street, Herald Square area, and you know, did a little window shopping and things to that nature because I didn't really have money. I only had $50 in my pocket. So I... Uh, decided it's time for me to kind of make my way back to the hotel. And as I was making my way back, I ended up on 49th Street between Broadway and 8th Avenue. Um, it's a really wonderful street. It's got a very famous Italian restaurant called Don Marino's. It has the Eugene O'Neill Theater. And I was just so stricken with all the lights and the awnings in New York City and, and had this you know, overwhelming feeling that anything could happen for my career here and my life could change at any moment. It's, it's just, it was kind of surreal, so to speak, that after all this, I'm here. Mind you, there's a lot of friends in my past that I haven't talked about as well. Um, Dazzle Studio of Dance in Massachusetts was a very big part of my life and the decision of moving to New York. Um, it was a, it's a top-rated school for dance. They've won several awards. And, and, you know, Lisa Talbot was one of my very, very close friends. So, you know, aside, uh, aside from Irwin and Lisa Talbot and all them, these were hard decisions for me to leave and come to New York. So here I am on 49th Street, kind of thinking about all that and then thinking about the lights and Broadway and all this wonderful spectacle that's around me. And as I'm walking, I see a church on 49th street towards eighth Avenue on the uptown side of the street. And I look up and it says St. Malachi's the actor's chapel. I mean, I'm floored like of all the streets to walk down, that's the street that I chose to walk down. 
and mass was actually just starting. So I went inside the church, sat down and was overwhelmed with this feeling of like, I finally have come home. I felt like I had made the right decision, but I felt like there was a comfort that I was not alone, if that makes sense. That I felt like it was as if the hand of God touching me saying, you're in the right place at the right time. And that ended up being my church for a long time. And inevitably in future episodes, I'll talk about how I met my wife and we were married at the Actors Chapel. But I was just so enamored that I was there at the right time. I felt nothing but love and peace in my heart that I was making the right decision. So the weekend had came and gone and I had started work at a place called Models Mart. And David Van Doe, the owner of Models Mart and his colleague, Richard Porter, were very instrumental in helping my career as an actor in terms of studying and getting the craft of acting together. So I, I remember David one weekend took me to this place called the Drama Bookshop, which is this amazing place in the city. Uh, I think they were reopening it. It had closed down, but it's this amazing place that sells everything an actor needs in terms of published plays and, 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 and books on the craft of acting, you know, from, you know, Stanislavski, to Uta Hagen to, you know, how to build a character to all these wonderful accredited playwrights. And I remember David going through the shelves saying, grabbing this play, grabbing that play, grabbing that. We left there with a bag full of plays. And it was David's intent for me to speed up my education and read these plays. And not only read these plays, but work on monologues from each one of these plays. And we're talking like Tennessee Williams, The Glass Menagerie. We're talking about Eugene O'Neill, uh, Long Day's Journey Into Night. Uh, there was some uh, Golden Boy was in there and there was some Chekhov in there. And inevitably we would, did work on Shakespeare, but it was all this stuff. So knowing that I didn't really have a formal education as an actor, I think I had raw talent, but I needed to learn exactly how to storytell in a natural setting and work with material that really was incredible writing, so to speak, and, and be educated to know and identify what great writing is. So in my career, I would be able to decipher what's good writing, what's not good writing and whatnot. So, um, that's how I spent the majority of my time on my weekends from that point on, we would, I would read a play. I would meet with David Vando. We would talk about the play. We would dissect the play. And then we would start to work on sections and monologues of the piece. Um, then I knew it also came to a time where I needed to get into a formal class. And back then there was no internet or Google searches or anything like that. Uh, we relied on trade papers. So I'd uh, be, I would go to the, the, the newsstand every Thursday. I remember the Wednesday night in Times Square, there was a newsstand that would release backstage and you could get backstage the night before it came out. Cause that's where I would go through and send my pictures and resumes via the mail, by the way, again, no internet. And I was so excited Wednesday night to go to that newsstand and get the, the, the backstage. 
Uh, and Backstage also listed schools and stuff too. So it was a really great resource for actors in New York City. And I was stumbling through the casting notices and I seen a place for the New York Performance Works. And it was everything I was actually looking for. And it's, it, it was downtown. The Performance Works was downtown on Chamber Street. And I ended up going to the New York Performance Works and studying there. What turned out to be one scene study class ended up being six years of studying from text interpretation to scene work, to camera work, to voice work. I mean, this was a wonderful place. So they had several studios for teaching for acting studios, and then they had a main stage. And this place was really wonderful because what Andrew McTiernan and Richard Scanlon built down there, there was nothing really like it in the city. And Andrew was an angel to me. Andrew passed away a few years back. And um, I mean, he was such an amazing individual. He ended up winning an Emmy for an animated series that he did with a studio called Studio Macbeth. But anytime I ever needed anything, a job, at one point I didn't have a place to stay because I lost my place due to money problems and things to that nature. But um, that's for future episodes. But Andrew let me stay in the back of the theater. There was a little space that was set up as a bedroom and I had a key and I was <laughs> I would live down there for a short period of time as well. But between Richard Scanlon, who taught me script analysis, and he was a genius when it came to script, and Andrew McTiernan, you know, guiding me and helping me and, and pushing me. And I just wish sometimes that I can jump in a time capsule and go back, go back in time and, uh, and uh, relive that. I mean, so many wonderful things came out of that. Very personal friends with Russell Frydenberg, who's in California. His wife is Heather Ray. They're you know, she's a producer and, and Russell's a producer and an actor and a writer. And, and, and these relationships that emerged from the New York Performance Works. Um, Andrew's wife, Linda, I, uh, we did some scene work together too. An amazing actress who would inevitably make it on Broadway. But this was the start of me building my craft, studying with Lisa Brown, God rest her soul. She passed away um, a multiple Emmy nominated uh, actress and she was on Guiding Light for a very long time. She pushed me. Uh, Jimmy Bohr was the head casting director at that time um, at Guiding Light. Jimmy Bohr and Betty Ray, but Jimmy would bring me in for roles on Guiding Light and, and, and really was a catalyst in my career too. So these are the kind of things that don't really exist anymore. And these are the people that really pushed and helped me. And so within six months in the city, I get a call from ABC to audition for a role on One Life to Live. And I am excited, but also freaking out. Am I good enough? Am I ready? You know, all this stuff goes through your head as an actor because there's insecurities. You know, you're working a full-time job. You're trying to maintain living in New York City, even though at the time my rent was only like $400 a month. But you got to understand the time frame and the cost of living and how broke actors are. I mean, you really, you're always spending money on headshots. You're spending money on acting classes. You're spending money on gym to make sure you stay in shape. You know, all the money that comes in goes out faster than it comes in. So I get this call and I'm called into the studios to, 
do an audition. And it was the assistant casting director, Victoria Vasilio. And, you know, I am incredibly nervous. But it's a great scene. I was well prepared. I went in there and I gave it my all. Didn't expect anything. I was like, as long as I make a good showing, maybe they'll bring me back in. Two weeks later, I get a call from One Life to Live. And it was Victoria, Tori, we called her, offered me to work on the show. Now, it was what they called were supporting players back then. So there was no lines, but I, you know, you were felt like you were part of the cast because you were involved in the blocking and it became very integral and all that stuff. And, and, um, I ended up working on a show in this recurring theme storyline that was going on. And um, I worked in that set area for over a year. And I was making money. And I thought, oh, this is how it's going to go for the rest of my life. Well, as you will discover, you have highs and you have lows in the industry. So that storyline inevitably ended its course and in doing so I didn't work on the show after that for a while now I wasn't a contract player it was based on availability and she would call me and I would work sometimes two to three days a week and you know this is good money really good money especially for 94 I wasn't used to making this kind of money and and being on a set and, and, and the first day, it's like all these cameras. It was a multiple camera setup. The actors have to deal with a plethora of, of script and language that they have to learn immediately on the spot. I mean, some of these actors are learning 16 to 24 pages of dialogue a day. But it was a great learning place. I got to interact and work with a director named Peter Miner who was another one that was very influential in my career. And, and what I liked about this director is he would sit down with the actors. If something wasn't working, he just wouldn't address it from a technical standpoint. He would actually sit down with the actors and say, okay, what's working, what's not? And basically going back to basic acting 101, what's your intent? What's your character need? What's the obstacle? What's all these things standing in the way? And watching this process really started to, form how I would attack work as an actor and being honest and trying to be compelling and not trying to do too much because sometimes us actors, we way overact, we way overthink. So this was the, the, the beginning of my career in New York. I found a church. I found all these mentors and people that were going to help me along the way. I was working as an actor for the first time. Incredible feeling. But that would be just the beginning. So next episode in episode three, I'll start to talk about working in feature films and getting up to a higher level in terms of A-list actors and the Brad Pitts of the world. That will be on the next episode. So stay tuned. You're listening to the David Wenzel Podcast.
For more information on David Wenzel, you can go to www.davidwenzelactor.com. He can also be found teaching and mentoring actors at the Green Room Acting Studio.